Hello and welcome to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. I'm Matteo, Greg is joining me, and we're bringing you heady conversation about bikes, bike racing, bike racers, and bicycles. Join us. Hey, so maybe we should tackle uh, race etiquette. I don't know if there's a good way to lead into that. I, I suppose <laughs> I could. I suppose I could tell the story of, of uh, what what made us decide this might be a, a fun topic. But I, I don't know if I want to put anyone on the spot because it might be a little unfair. <laughs> Are you naming names? <laughs> uh, well, you know, a certain a certain cycling podcasting. Do you want to say colleague? just a just a small thing really but Mm -hmm. and and not um all right so i've been listening to uh um our i don't know friend you know him um Mm -hmm. and and of course this morning yes podcasting (laughs) uh partner uh fellow named andrew and his uh uh, podcast man i'm I'm messing this up uh so the gentleman behind the super number one cycling podcast um which i recommend giving a listen to they are uh, a different um style from whbp but um they have a very similar kind of approach in in that they're kind of a down-to-earth kind of talking about local experiences instead of pro racing Mm -hmm. um i mean though we do talk about pro racing but uh not not as our main focus uh, it's because we're nerds rather than because we're snobs. Sure, yeah, nerds. Anyway, um, he, one of the things that uh, Andrew in particular has been uh, talking about on that show uh, over the course of, uh, it's been running for most of this year now in this uh, format that they have where it's a cycling podcast, and he got into racing and has actually been doing quite well. Um, and I just remembered one particular thing that made me laugh because he he referred to calling out as he was cornering in some criteriums early on uh, inside to alert other riders <laughs> to his presence. <laughs> and as I was listening, I said, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I want to, <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into to what we think about that. And I, I want to emphasize, this is not because, uh, you know, Andrew, super number one, is a bad guy <laughs> or a bad bike racer. He's clearly not. <laughs> And that's not how I mean it, because just about he's everyone. A great guy and a good, yeah, just about, he's a great guy and a good bike racer. Right, yeah, just about everyone makes this, uh, is kind of, has this kind of mindset in the early categories. And there's a lot of funny things that go on uh, mm-hmm. in, in categories, you know, five and four, uh, in terms of the sort of communication that happens in the peloton that that quickly becomes kind of, as you, as you get more experienced, uh, either kind of strange or annoying or just gauche or even dangerous <laughs> <laughs> and, and can lead also to, to hurt feelings when people kind of misunderstand what's going on uh, and why, for example, that uh, they've just had the door slammed on them when they, when they called out inside. <laughs> yeah. So almost, almost exactly what you were describing. I was a couple of years ago, I was racing a track race and, um, it, the fixed gear classic here in Minnesota, and the organizers had flown in some um, Euro pros to race with us. And the Euro pros had brought along some like younger Euro semi pros or Espars. I'm not sure who they were or what they were, but you know, at, at some point, like things are getting a little bit, a little bit bumpy and grindy. Um, and I'm low down on the track, and things are kind of getting tight, and wheels are overlapping pretty hard. And so I just start chattering like hop, 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 which is just, just vocalizing 
as a way of saying, I'm here, you know? Like, yeah. Like a bat echolocating um, by clicking or something. But I guess one of these young Europeans thought that I was telling him to move up track and acting like I was freaking out because I didn't have enough room. And he started yelling at me, I am up. I am up. How much more space do you need? Right. <laughs> it was a t- total misunderstanding that I, I sort of felt bad about because it made me look like I didn't know what I was doing or how to handle myself. Right. So I, I guess the background to what we're talking about with this, you know, telling people, you know, sounding like we're asking people to uh, move um, up track or, um, you know, letting people know that you're on the inside and would like them to make room. So so the reason that uh, we're talking about this in a negative fashion is because basically, I, I think you've put it pretty eloquently on Twitter as saying uh, inside is what you're really saying when you say inside or outside going through the corners. I don't know how to race my bike and I would like you to uh, make way for me. <laughs> Yes, although I, I need to give credit to uh, my friend Megan, who several years ago tweeted, isn't yelling inside in a crit, basically like saying, I'm an idiot who doesn't know how to corner. <laughs> right. So the idea is is basically that, um, you know, because there's sort of two reasons that people people will say like, oh, inside or, or outside as are coming around corners. One is to alert another rider to their presence. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem, so both of the, uh, sorry, let me say that. One is to alert the other riders to their presence. And the other is to, is, is kind of more aggressive, um, to basically, uh, asking or demanding that the other rider make room for them to come through. And, and room that doesn't really exist right. unless someone else provides it. Yeah. So these are, these are both problematic for related but not entirely different reasons. So the first one, which is alerting someone to make room. Um, so first of all, um, if you're at any kind of reasonable level, that rider should know that you're there. Um, but that is a best case scenario. That is a best case scenario. But if they don't know you're there uh, and, and you feel a need to alert them and you are deliberately moving into a space where you feel that you need to alert them um, because they might not know you're there, what are you doing there in the first place, right? If you are putting yourself in a situation where you're potentially endangering not just yourself but other people in the race because if this person comes into you and takes you out, you're going to take other people down. That's that's not a situation you should be going into in the first place, in my mm-hmm. view, especially in you know category five and category four, where like no one knows what they're doing, including you know including you, right? And this is kind of the <laughs> cliche about everyone complaining about upgrade as fast as possible, get out of the fives and fours, which is Everyone thinks that everyone else is the sketchy rider who's the problem in category four or five, but it's, it's yeah, it's kind of more of a distributed issue. Uh, mm-hmm. The second one is even more egregious because it suggests that the the rider coming in from behind, who's seeking basically to you know to dive bomb the corner or to squeak by on the outside, has a right to that spot just because they've vocalized that they want it. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. not true. And, and that, that can be a safety issue as well. If there, for example, isn't room for someone to move aside. And I've been in a race before. This is way back when I was racing collegiate. Uh, I remember a guy who was trying to come around me on the outside of a corner in a crit who was saying, outside, outside, outside. There was nowhere for me to go. I can't move inside mm-hmm. for you, you know, and nor would I want to. Like, why am I just going to give you a free spot? You know, if it's early in the race or whatever, fine. Um, but, you know, there's no particular reason to expect that someone's going to do that. And, and he almost rode himself into the curb 
because mm-hmm. by vocalizing outside, he thought he had a right to that place. Uh, mm-hmm. But he didn't, and there was nowhere for me to go. And, you know, that's just, and, and he got mad at me, but, you know, <laughs> I had a conversation with him, <laughs> or, or maybe a brief uh, kind of verbal altercation. Mm-hmm. Where I informed him that there was nowhere for me to go, and and you know he can't expect us to go by, yeah. So and and that's yeah. kind of why that's you know it's it's a kind of obnoxious, and b, um, if there's room for you to fit somewhere and you can fit do it safely, just do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you're you're inviting someone to close the door on you because why would they just let you by <laughs> if there's room for you yeah. to go? You know, it kind of sounds to me like the writer that you described was basically saying. Holy crap, Greg, I can't pay my credit card bill this month. Give me some money. Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of exactly what it's like. And the thing is, people forget that... Um, so the rider in front always has control of the situation. If your bars are in front, you're in command. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, as long as they aren't don't do anything unpredictable or dangerous, um, they don't have to let anyone through. And there's no reason they should. And you can always let up on the pedals or, or scrub your brakes a little bit and back off. You know, that's, that is an option. <laughs> like people forget that that's an option and that sometimes you have to do that, but sometimes you have to do that. That's just how the world works. It isn't always fair. You know, sometimes there isn't room for you to squeeze by. Just another example that comes to mind that's a, kind of related is um, the yellow line rule. Uh, I remember a race once where there was a guy, again, I was ahead of someone, the rider in front of me starts drifting left toward the yellow line. So I, you know, he's overlapping wheels with me slightly. So what I do, I drift left as well. What, what am I going to do? Um, mm-hmm. You know, other than scrubbing the brakes, but there was room for me, you know, because there was mm-hmm. no one between me and the yellow line. So the guy behind me kind of overlapping me starts saying, you know, hey, don't crowd me out, bro. Don't crowd me out. Uh, and, and doesn't relinquish his spot, ends up kind of going over the yellow line temporarily and then starting to curse me out. And it's like, <laughs> this is not my responsibility. Like, you had time to see where this was going, and, you mm-hmm. know, you have, you have options available to you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what, what that's about, basically. I don't know. Do you have any other examples or anything else to say about that? Well, I, I actually do. So, okay, so, you know, I'm, I, here in Minnesota, we have a lot of, spring road races that are super windy and pretty flat and so they wind up kind of being gutter fests for a lot of it and so and you know with the yellow line rule in effect if you're not being guttered you're being guttered on the yellow line whatever that's exactly called and right so you know, so i'm imagining you know the situations that i've been in where you know everyone's guttered and then someone is trying to like is trying to get in in front of me mm-hmm so I'm almost, you know, imagining myself kind of in, in the reverse position, in the, the, the rider behind position of the example that you just described. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, with someone moving over on them, rather than back off, you know, they'll bring their hand up and they'll push on that other rider's hip oh, to yeah. shove them away. And I think it's especially when, uh, when, when people start to attain, you know, a, a sense of proficiency. And when they watch a couple of pro races and, you know, maybe they're at Cat 3 and they've seen what goes on in like one, two, three races, they think that like the pushing and the body contact is like a natural part of of what goes down in racing. Sure. And my attitude about that is that, yes, it's possible. I don't think people should do it. And I, I think it's mostly fine and mostly safe. And as soon as everyone starts thinking it's mostly fine and mostly safe, it's it's going to be not. And I've seen people take their hands off the bars to do pushy stuff because they thought that that's 
what people do. So that's the pro thing. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they get themselves in trouble. And when people have, you know, when people I don't know have put their hands on me in a bike race, I just turn around and I snap, get your hand off me. Keep your hand on the handlebars. Yeah, yeah, well, and it, it is related, I think, to, um, you know, also kind of coming over toward the yellow line or the inside-outside thing, you know, which is my, I get annoyed when that happens often because I know you're there, uh, and I kind of don't care because it's not my problem, basically, mm-hmm. and, and, and it is part of that presumptuousness of when there's nothing dangerous going on, when I have, you know, the right of way because I'm, I'm in front, and, you know, I'm moving in a predictable and, and, and safe fashion. That, you know, essentially, how dare you think um, that you get to claim this spot mm-hmm. uh, permanently? Like, you don't own it. Mm-hmm. I own it because I'm in front of you. You don't like that? Get in front of me. Uh, so yeah, that's why I, that bothers me. I've definitely described to people that that phenomenon uh, of uh, having your handlebars in front of someone else means that, like you said, you're in control of the situation. You have the power of the situation. And it, and it means that you have a certain priority. And I, I think about it, you know, in the track where I've definitely aggressively boxed in people who have better sprints than me. Sure. And that I, I don't really get to hold them down track until I've got my handlebars in front of their handlebars. Um, and then they're good, you know. So I'm, I'm imagining a situation where I'm the third rider in line and I sprint around the second rider and try and keep the second rider in front of the first rider. And yeah, it's... If our if our handlebars are at the same level, they could just move up track, and I have to move up track too. But it's not until I get mine in front of theirs that that I've successfully done this kind of right sneaky tactic. Yeah, and that's part of the game too. Like, so part of I guess you could call it like there's a certain amount of entitlement, and maybe my um, perspective on this it has a lot to do with the fact that I am not uh, a, I, I I'm not a rider who can profit by like big power. Because I don't mm-hmm. have I don't have big power because mm-hmm. I'm I'm small, uh, so I, I have to you know to do well in races be you know, I basically can't just motor away. Mm-hmm. Sneaky opportunism, right? Exactly. You know, I have to be sneaky, or I have to really be very very choosy about you know when I can use you know I've got you know for example right I've got really good like one to three minute um, power that I can mm-hmm. put to use in particular situations. But, you know, I can't ride away off the front of something. And I can't, I can't, uh, you know, someone who's a really big sprinter, you know, I'm, I'm toast there too. So, mm-hmm. so I really have to take advantage of all the things that I really like about bike racing, which is that it's not just about, you know, who's got the most watts. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's easy. And I'm not saying all the people who, who will put your, their hands on you or anything like that, um, are, you know, these people, but, you know, you definitely get the people who, who complain, um, that, you know, the big strong guys who want to just ride away off the front of a crit and they, they get really angry that people chase them down. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think there's kind of some of that, that going on, but, you know, a big part of the etiquette in bike racing is really about sort of who's got the power, yeah. you know, and, and recognizing that you aren't entitled to your place in line. Um, mm-hmm. if someone else has got their handlebars in front of you and you have to work with that. Like I've been, you know, I've been moved off of wheels and, and I've, I've lost spots that I wanted to hold on to because someone else, um, was, you know, in a position of control over you know, the situation. Like that's, that's kind of what you have to deal with. And mm-hmm. 
it's, you know, it's not like there's never a time when it's appropriate to touch someone because, you know, people say, and I, I think it's a little bit uh, silly and macho the way they sometimes say it, but people will say, oh, cycling is a contact sport. Um, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> there's definitely contact, but it, if you do it right, that contact should mostly be kind of incidental. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, you when you're squeezing through corners and stuff like that and you have your, your elbows out a little bit and taking up space that, you know, you're going to rub on guys. Right. As opposed to kind of deliberately trying to move people around. Right. You're not, you, you shouldn't use contact to achieve strategic or, or tactical ends. Sure. And I know people will, people will disagree and high level racers will disagree, but I, I think they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I watch pro racing and I, it's always great to watch, you know, the big lead outs and sprints in the grand tours and, and other races and, you know, you'll definitely see riders in line kind of put their elbow out or just put their hand out and knock lesser riders off of their lead out train. And there was, there was a really good example from the, I think it was the tour of California. There were these great on bike videos. And one is a, a rearward facing video that's just glued on John Degenkold. Yep. And you see, I think you see some jelly belly rider keep on trying to be in there. And the perspective is sort of, okay, this is a, sort of a, a medium-sized race and John Degenkolb is a top-level sprinter and here's some guy on a domestic team like kind of trying to be in the same spot. Right. And so John Degenkolb, like, for, I think he like puts his elbow into him a little bit to save his space and then, you know, he puts his hand and then finally he just yells, go away! <laughs> With this attitude that like, you're not really supposed to be there. Um, I, I'm not going to take to Twitter and say, oh, John Degenkolb shouldn't have taken his hands off the bars. Like, right. That's, so, that's that's kind of another matter altogether. You know, I, I prefer to think about you know what what should happen sort of in our in our amateur racing. Right. And though to that example, um, there is not universal agreement among people who've raced bikes at a high level as to whether what Degen Cole did in that video is appropriate or safe. Uh, Steve mm -hmm. Steve Tilford wrote a very angry blog post about what he sees as um, these trends in professional sprinting for to become this very intense contact sport with. Um, this, you know, pecking order that, that has more to do with, you know, kind of how, how different riders say on like higher level proteins perceive themselves to be above say domestic mm -hmm. riders and, and, and how people try and to enforce, enforce what they perceive as the, the hierarchy with something other than, you know, their legs. Uh, so there's not, uh, I mean, and of course, you know, Steve Tilford is sort of a famous, um, grouch, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. but nonetheless like there's not universal uh agreement among even people yeah. who are racing at the highest levels that that's really a good thing but I, I think obviously the good approach for you know how to contest like a world tour sprint is everyone just submits a, a power test and a race resume and then the organizers will just rank the top team. <laughs> right everyone just rolls in into the final kilometer and then the organizers will just look at the race resumes and the power files and be like all right, and uh, it's Kittel, Degenkolb, Cavendish. Great. Good job, everybody. Nice sprint. Nice sprint. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like the way to do it. <laughs> that just, I, well, I mean, I've raced, I really have raced against people who seem to think that that's how it works. You know, I, that, that goes away a little bit when you get a little bit higher up, even in, you know, Cat 3, which is where I am on the road. Uh, that goes away. It, it, to doesn't, some it doesn't, it should. It doesn't, it should, but I still, I run into riders who you know, have this attitude of, why are you chasing? This is no good for me. Uh, <laughs> why are you pursuing a tactic that results in a less chance of me winning? Come on, we're, we're playing this game against each other. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's boy. not always going to go your way. No, no, and especially if you keep relying on the same trick, you know, there's going to come mm -hmm. a point like, you know, you can show up. I mean, when I started racing collegiate Ds, I was not the strongest guy there, but I was one of the, I could, you know, uh, I could do a lot um, mm -hmm. that I can't do in races now because, you know, I, I'm not a sprinter or I'm not a time trialist, whatever. Like, I, I could I could take a chance on just uh, sprinting in you know entry level collegiate race and, and actually come out pretty well uh, mm -hmm. because I was coming in with some good training and a little fitter than a lot of those guys. It that mm -hmm. very quickly changed when I upgraded even to like collegiate C and Cat Four mm -hmm. USAC. It was like oh okay, uh, my options are more limited, you know. And that's just <laughs> kind of how it works. Like and some people hit that point later than others. You know, for some people that point happens when they reach the world tour, but right. You know, not necessarily, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's always, you know, you, you do have the people who think that people chasing them and not letting them ride into a breakaway is, is negative racing. It's like, well, <laughs> there's, there's definitely negative racing, which is not racing, you know, which I would define as rather than racing t for, to win, you know, racing specifically to make someone else lose. But, mm -hmm. you know, that happens and you kind of have to live with it. Uh, yeah, and that's how the game is played sometimes, and certainly how the game is. You know, it's not negative racing just because someone is chasing you down because their plan might yeah. be where you know we have a sprinter who is the <laughs> most badass sprinter in all of Cat Three in you know whatever Middle Tennessee. I don't know, and we're gonna <laughs> and and we're gonna pull everything back because you know we know that he's just gonna slaughter everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. in the sprint and that's not negative racing that's racing with a plan yeah so so i think i think my, my last comment on this whole race etiquette thing is as much as i'll happily rant about um contact in races i've had a lot of it um and what i actually really like is as a track racer i race against um you know 12 to 16 or 17 or 18 of the same people every week from late may to early september basically talking about local track racing yeah and we get to know each other really well and and i know that when you know so and so kind of accidentally uh you know something in the pack happens and he has to move and we wind up like really kind of grinding on each other for a few seconds it's fine he can handle it i can handle it none of us is gonna like get freaked out because we're on 43 degree banking and don't have brakes and this and that and all of a sudden create a problem that is going to be a problem for 10 people and their sweethearts who are gracious enough to pull splinters out of their skin, you know? Yeah. Um, those moments where you think, okay, uh, we can handle accidents, we can handle incidents, um, we can even handle being a little bit aggressive because we all know how we handle these situations. Um, it really, it really makes it kind of, kind of a nice experience, you know, to, to have someone go flying into you and to be like, oh, that's just so and so, it's fine, like we can deal with it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. That, that is kind of the other element of, well, sort of the basis of, of the etiquette really is what it comes down to is establishing some level of trust for the people that you're racing with and, mm -hmm. and not having to, in, you know, because there is a certain sense of, in which the, uh, you know, inside, outside, whatever, or putting hands on people is, is kind of, it's rude because it's saying, I don't trust you. Yeah. So that's why it's rude. Aside from the fact, you know, the way in which uh, it can be either hazardous or just kind of stupid or entitled. 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it is sort of, there's a sense in which it's kind of a middle finger. Yeah. The, and well, the other, the other way that trust comes into it is, you know, when, when somebody maybe yells inside or starts putting their hands on hips and moving riders around, I think, okay, they don't really know what's going on. I don't trust them to ride well and to ride with a brain in their bucket. Well, yeah, and that's true. Like that's what, you know, when I think of like a per, you know a particular case of someone putting their their hand on my hip, you know, when I knew they were there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like you don't know, you know, you think I'm coming over on you a little bit because I don't know you're there, and I'm just going to ride right into you and take you out. The reality is, I know you're there. I'm moving predictably, and I don't really care what what you do to deal yeah. with it. Like it's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you can't handle that, then there's another problem here. Right? Yeah, yeah. So and and, and so, oh, there's no doubt. Lots of other rules we could come to. I, I think when people think of race etiquette, you know, if, if they were to like say, look at what the summary for this episode will be, you know, in in iTunes or whatever, they'll they might think of like slowing down and and waiting for the yellow jersey or something, or uh, <laughs> you know, not sprinting if you've. Uh, not done any work in a break or something like that. Uh, and that's kind of not what I think of at all, uh, those sort of unwritten rules, um, which, which are so inconsistent that I kind of, I, I, I don't really care about them. You know, even when they are <laughs> applicable, I, I do think of things like how do, you, how do you manage your position in the peloton? You know, do you do it in a way yeah. that, it is, that is appropriate and competent? Because, you know, if you're going to, like, no one loves it when people dive bomb, and you really shouldn't dive bomb, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, dive bomber's going to dive bomb. Um, <laughs> and if you're going to do it, just frickin' do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't do it if you're going to crash, um, but do it. Oh, and, and there's also all this, uh, I think there's one final element of, of, of etiquette that I did want to get to actually, which is mm-hmm. what people say to each other in races to kind of enforce behavior, if that makes sense, especially, you know, with all the yelling that goes on in Cat 4 and Cat mm-hmm. 5. Uh, so the things I'm thinking of are hold your line, um, no breaks for the corners, things like that. Uh, and the rule for that, in my opinion, is, is shut up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shut up, because... Either A, that advice is, is wrong, or uh, <laughs> it's either outright wrong or not very useful. And, and it comes back to this thing that I was just alluding to you know, a few minutes ago of all the Cat 4-5 racers um, who think everyone else is the problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I actually had, I guess I'll take them one at a time because I do want to briefly um, address the problems with these. Uh, with something like hold your line, um, the problem is that that advice has no useful content to it whatsoever. Uh, it doesn't actually, it does not actually convey any useful information about what this person is doing wrong and what they can do to correct it. Because it mm-hmm. can mean any number of different things. It might mean someone who's being a squirrel, so they're kind of wiggling around and, and, and being unpredictable. Um, and it might mean, you know, that they're doing something different. Uh, and it's also, as I said, as a corrective instruction it's it's not very useful cuz someone could be holding their line but that line could you know basically be taking people down like bowling pins if they're <laughs> doing a different line than everyone else through a you know through a fast corner mm-hmm. you know hold your line is not is not useful information 
Like yeah. the particular example for that is is in a race I did this summer, um, a criterium in Worcester. Uh, we had a young rider um, in the cat category three four criterium um, who he actually really was not holding his line in kind of the classical sense. What he was doing is he, he was coming into the apex of the corner and and sort of losing his nerve in terms of his confidence in the ability of the tires to hold traction through this turn. Mm -hmm. So he was swinging really wide on the exit, mm -hmm. basically, because he, he felt like he was going to crash. Yeah. Um, so this really, and of course, that really is very dangerous. Um, so did I yell at him? No. Uh, I rode up to him and I said to him in a speaking voice, as much as you can in a race, you know, I said, hey, you know, you should really keep carving the same radius through the whole term because what you're doing is you're coming into people on the exit and that could cause mm -hmm. a crash and you know he he told me like oh yeah i'm nervous about the ability of my tires you know we had a conversation <laughs> right i'm nervous about the ability of my tires uh to to hold me and i said well you know look at all these riders around you who are carving the same <laughs> line you know they're up right so you can do this like you can do this Everyone else can do this, and we're not rocket scientists. We're not geniuses. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I, I want to be really clear. I am not calling this 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 guy out as being a a, a bad a bad guy. I, I'm calling this out as an example of how, what I think is a more effective way to educate someone. I hope mm -hmm. um, because yeah. he's you know he's a nice kid. He wants to race his bike well, and he wants to race his bike safely. And mm -hmm. what the hell good is it going to be if I'm yelling, "Hold your line, Adam"? Yeah. Shoot, what was the other one that I I mentioned? Oh yeah, the no brakes and there's yeah so so no brakes in, in corners right uh, <laughs> so you just get a lot of um, you know that uh, that just falls under the category of all kinds of useless things that that <laughs> you know cat fives or cat fours or, or other inexperienced riders who've moved up quickly kind of think they know about how handling in a pack works. Um, where you know you're like 40 guys back from the front of the race, and you're annoyed because the guys in front of you are are on the brakes heading into a corner. It's like they actually kind of have to be on the brakes, mm -hmm. like you know, and they just think that everyone is is screwing it up for them. Um, you know, it, it, and the thing is, like, I don't know. I guess it comes down to recognize your ignorance, <laughs> and that maybe <laughs> that maybe things are are happening for a reason, and that. Uh, incompetence is not the only explanation. Yeah, which is not that there isn't a lot of incompetence in say how like a, a beginner category, you know, the lines that the the race is taking through turns. But you know, that's just how it works. Like they're gonna, I, you're new. Yeah, and I think your point about how how ineffective yelling is is really really compelling for me, just because. Like you said, uh, everyone thinks the problem is someone else. And it, it's anyone in the field, anyone in any bike race can be a yeller. Yeah. If, if they want to be. I don't understand why someone would want to be. But, you know, if they want to be, someone could be a yeller. Um, and it's, it's annoying. It's foul. It's negative. It, it's unproductive. Um, my, my personal rule, which I've broken on occasion, is, but, you know, just to not flap my jaw in bike races and everything's better because yeah i could be like hey hey you quit it stop doing that and stop doing that and this is annoying and i think there's a slippery slope from that to uh why are you taking a tactic that gives me less of a of a likelihood of winning sure, sure. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's true. And, you know, and we've all known, you got to be careful, right? Because we've all known the yeller who's, you know, just pissed off at everyone uh, mm -hmm. for being sketchy or whatever, who <laughs> everyone is avoiding because he's the one who's, the, you know, if you're mad at everyone because everyone is a sketchy rider, the problem might not be them. <laughs> You know, because we yeah. all, every local scene has that guy, right, that is yeah. is always annoyed <laughs> about the moves people are doing that are, are spooking him because they're being sketchy when mm -hmm. they actually have a reputation among everyone for being an incredibly hazardous group rider. Yeah. And it's also legit for people to be spooked, you know, I mean, especially for local racing, oh, the, yeah. the, whole, the whole line about how, you know, we all have jobs to go to in the morning and you race long enough and you see broken collarbones and broken jaws and maybe a couple concussions, you know, not, not all these injuries for one person, but you see them happen and you want to keep racing, but you don't really want to risk experiencing that. Maybe, you know, you get a little bit jumpy and you start, you start being uncomfortable with being in a bike race. It's, yeah. It's, that's a bummer. It's, I can sympathize with that. I, I recently sort of, this wasn't that recent, this was a few months ago. I decided that, you know, if I get a serious concussion or, you know, a couple minor concussions, like, that's it. I don't, I think that would be one of the very few things that would make me uh, give up bike racing because I don't really want to threaten um, the integrity of my brain with this sport. I love the sport and, you know, I've, I've broken some ribs and, and lost a bunch of skin and this and that. Um, and that hasn't stopped me from, you know, wanting to keep racing and keep racing toward a higher level. Um, it hasn't really stopped me from having fun with it either. But if if I start getting effects on my brain, I think that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I think that's a good rule. <laughs> I think I would be fine with that. I'm not positive, but I think I would be okay with that trade-off. Yeah, Break, breaking my collarbone isn't enough to scare me away. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, the, a major concussion or, or a couple of small, small concussions. But you know, brain brain damage is maybe a different story. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. all had. Well, maybe not we've all. I'll just say that I've definitely. You know, found myself in in races where I'm like, I, where I'm off my game and uncomfortable. Um, you know, that happens, and you know, the question is, what do you do about that? I guess, and and do you do you put that on everyone else around you, or do you you know decide that you know, okay, I need to you know, do, do you make it about you and and, and think, <laughs> okay, maybe if this is a problem for me, I need to back off and, and, and think about whether I want to be here, you know, because yeah. if you're, even if it really is a sketchy race, because that happens for sure, even if it really is uh -huh. a, just a race where people are behaving badly and there's just like weird stuff going on, um, you know, it, it's kind of unclear how, how starting to yell at everyone about it is going to solve that problem. And yeah. if the race is dangerous and you don't want people to keep doing dangerous things around you, you know, it's okay to pull out. You know, it's yeah. okay to quit. Like, it's okay. It really is okay. Especially on the last lap of a criterium where you're not sprinting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, like, I've seen a lot of people kind of do dumb stuff when they're going to roll in 40th. Be sure. Because it's, because it's heating up. The action is up there, but it's heating up. Everyone's going fast. Everyone wants to roll across the line. And... And my, my rule of thumb for a while has been if I'm not contesting the finale of a, of a race, then I'm not contesting the finale of a race. I kind of act like, you know, armchair GC contenders kind of rolling in 
30 seconds after the sprint on the stage of a Grand Tour. Sure. Um, but people can do that. People can choose that. Okay, you're in the bike race. It's fine. You did a good job for all the preceding laps. This last lap is fast for the people who are trying to win it. And you don't need to risk something if you're not tr- you're not trying to accomplish anything anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and I think it's it's very hard in the heat of the moment sometimes to make the kind of safe decision, you know, yeah. as, as opposed yeah. to just getting mad at people, you know. Oh, that's oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of a human. It's, it's thing. exciting. Like it's very, very exciting. exciting. You get all excited. You get all antsy and you're pantsy, and you never know what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> I may have said some things I regret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that's uh, probably enough for one show we've we've just uh blabbed uh, well i know i've flapped my mouth a whole lot about racing etiquette and i've listened about it. to you flap your mouth a whole lot so i think we both win okay <laughs> well i'm glad you feel that way so <laughs> thanks uh to everyone for listening i'm greg uh, i've been joined by matteo uh hey i'm matteo i'm i'm the working man and greg is the honest one that's right that's right uh, if you want to get in touch with the working man, uh, then he's uh, at underscore Matteo on Twitter, right? That is correct. Yes, and I am at Grolby. Uh, you can also uh, email us if you want to contact us. Uh, we have a show email. It is honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, if you have thoughts or, or want to say... I don't know, that you love us or hate us, or if you have, I don't know, something to tell us, do it there. And we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Have a good night.